Hello, good morning, good afternoon, Matthew Grant here, and thanks for plugging in and joining us today. For property insurers, knowing what is being insured, that's where a building is and what it's made of, is still a challenge, particularly for larger buildings and facilities. Now, we're updating our location intelligence report for release later this year, and my discussion today with Martin Samworth and Seth Rogers from RE5Q give some perspectives on where new data sources are going to be coming from. More on that in the report. Now, RE5Q has its roots in real estate and the team have been uncovering data sources previously unavailable to insurers. And as summer draws to an end, we've lined up our series of autumn events, breakfast and dinners to get us all back together again. So look out for details on the website about those. Finally, if you are listening to this and wondering why so many companies are working with us, both insurers and technology companies, then contact me on LinkedIn or send us an email, hello at instec.co, to find out what you're missing. Or if you just want to say hello yourself and let us know what you think of these podcasts, that's great too. Now, over to Martin and Seth. Martin, Seth, really pleased to be talking to you today. Really fascinating what you're doing at RE5Q, you started off providing data to real estate, to owners, managers, banks, and others. And now you're moving into insurance, looking at tapping into all these new sources of data, many of which haven't been available to insurance organizations. You found it back in 2018. Martin, you're CEO, and Seth, you're CTO and founder. But uh, welcome, really delighted to be talking to you today. So Martin, obviously, you know real estate really well. Be just intriguing to know what it was that attracted you to join RE5Q as CEO. Yes, that's right, Matthew. My uh, background is steeped in real estate. As you say, RE5Q is a real estate data and technology business, and the attraction of being able to apply data and our AI technology to the real estate industry and, and its efficiency is a real appeal for me. And Seth, for you, I see you've over the years of done all sorts of interesting things around trading systems, but you've also been advising a company like Google, Apple, and, uh, and, and Facebook. I'd just be intrigued, you know, what was it originally that led you to launch RE5Q? What really attracted me to this role was, was the technical challenge. Uh, no one had ever done uh, what we've done with this much data before. And RE5Q, got to ask, unusual name. Normally, I can guess acronyms. I've kind of given up on this one. Does one of you want to uh, reveal the, the secret of the name? RE5Q stands for Real Estate Fifth Quadrant. As you might be aware, traditionally, real estate has four quadrants, private equity, private debt, public equity, and public debt. And so we thought, actually, RE5Q is the fifth quadrant. It was quite a nice name as it adds a new dimension for the industry. So that's quite sci-fi. I hadn't realized that there were four quadrants in uh, in real estate. So you're, you're, you're inventing in a whole new marketplace, which uh, I think is kind of why we're going to be talking about some really interesting areas you've, you've managed to get exactly. into. What was the original premise for the company when it was looking at providing data or starting off providing data for, uh, for real estate? We looked at transaction data. Uh, a lot of the existing products were based on samples and market opinion. And after the uh, insights that we'd seen in LIBOR, it was clear that a transaction-based um, approach was much better, where the data was trusted. I just come back to a couple of things. So transaction data, I'm assuming, is the sales. Is that right? So that's looking at what well, the prices that properties have been sold for. Would that be a way of yeah, understanding Yeah, that? so uh, transactions covers that, but it also covers legal documentation, so what's been lodged with legal authorities, and taxation records as well. Uh, and remember, we're looking at this globally, so we can see county assessors' records in the U.S., basically every bit of government information that's available. So Seth, LIBOR, that's a big acronym, but I'm thinking it's London Intermarket Bank 
rates. Can you just explain when you referred to it earlier on what's actually happening there and what data are you providing to companies? What happened with LIBOR is that it was sentiment-based and there were, there were too many humans in the loop. So it was prone to abuse, market abuse. Post the LIBOR scandal, uh, they've moved LIBOR to a transaction-only basis where it's mechanized data and it's data-driven. And that's what we wanted to do with RE5Q. All our data is automated and it's based on tax receipts, on transaction prices. Uh, and so we've got that full transparency. And you mentioned 2021 when you came into the markets. That was last year. Uh, other examples of companies in real estate you can mention or if not mentioned by name, at least refer to that are accessing your data? One of the big four accountants uh, approached us uh, that they had problems uh, getting data for one of the verticals that they operated in business tax uh, around property. Because we had so much planning data available, uh, as well as transaction data, we've uh, entered a joint venture with them to help scale up their business. And then some of the data you mentioned is quite specific to real estate. I can see it might have some applications into insurance. But what else have you been offering to the banks, the lenders, the others for commercial property, or I guess it might be residential, that you're finding is of interest to insurance organisations? Well, there's a couple of areas. Uh, banks are very interested in AML, anti-money laundering. Uh, and because we're able to see uh, transactions, income and taxes, it, it's very clear when um, a business is actually operating uh, versus it's just a shell company in an empty hotel that actually has no guests. Um, so we could, we can help with the uh, AML. What would the end user get? Are they getting some kind of index based on other data or are they actually getting all the raw data themselves? Well, they get both. So what we do is we can skim the data and produce information that we think is relevant for that particular use case. But in every case, we give them the underlying raw data uh, and they can do their own queries as well on the raw data to see if there's anything they're missing. So, yeah, it's a big one for uh, fraud at the point of underwriting, which, I mean, there are companies building tools for looking at fraud from claims, but if you can capture it up front, yeah, clearly that's a much better solution. And then I, I know you've also got data for some of the, the physical risks as well, environmental uh, and other things that are of interest. Can you, can you give some examples of what else you're able to tap into? In the past, the industry has very much had a siloed approach to content. So they said, here's some seismic data for earthquakes, here's some geological data for subsidence. And what we're seeing with climate change is that the rate of change has increased by a huge tick. Uh, and so now we're seeing many of these separate factors coming together. A good example was uh, we did some work in Louisiana where salt levels are rising, and that's changing the structural integrity of the soil. Um, so there's a much higher risk of subsidence. So it's, it's not about rising water levels, although that's a concern. It's actually buildings are going to start to sink simply because of the salt levels. Yeah, that's a, uh, it's, a, it's a really interesting sort of slightly different take on how people normally think about flood risk. And I guess that whole substance area, just having a very dry summer here in the UK, it's sort of elevating the risk of, of substance as, as well. So I think you know, some of the things that we traditionally have either thought would have been solved or uh, forgotten about are starting to come out again. Presumably, this is the kind of thing that when people are taking out mortgages, the banks are looking at as part of the mortgage application. Is that, is that kind of what's driving that uh, access to data and interest in it? Yes. So insurers are looking to the risk that previously was not material that, you know, with climate change is material. But as you say, banks are looking to lend uh, more sensitively to ESG because there are 
government and national guidelines on, on lending around ESG. So what they're finding is that with our trove of data, they're able to sort of say uh, to their shareholders, look, we're lending responsibly because we're giving discounted rates for people with better insulation and greener homes. Um, so that, that's becoming more of a trend. And Martin, Seth was talking about the US. So clearly you've got data outside of the, the UK. Are you? What's your sort of global coverage like? Yeah, we have a, a global footprint. Um, the availability of data is different in different places. It's very mature for the UK, very mature for the US. But you might go to places like Germany or some of the South American countries and it's a bit more patchy. But we can access data. If it's available, we can normally find it. Um, but the, the quantities are different in different places, as you probably would imagine. How successful have you been in going out, identifying new sources of data, and then coming to agreements with your partners to, to provide that data? We've been challenged on some quite interesting things. Um, pipelines, bridges, roads in uh, some smaller cities and, and towns in Mexico, for example, uh, locations in Saudi uh, where people might not imagine that sort of data is necessarily available, but we've been able to access it. So, yeah, a range of different places, actually. The way you're talking about it, some of those are quite large facilities or infrastructure. Uh, you know, one of the, I guess, questions people are asking when they're looking at data that's available digitally versus going out and doing a survey is that you know, how much confidence is there in the, those larger facilities or campuses or, or other, other things that you have to have a lot of data. What's your, what's your read on that? I mean, how, how are you seeing things evolving in terms of the ability to get complete data and, comp and comprehensive and accurate data for larger facilities? Yeah, well, Seth may want to step in here, but um, basically the AIs uh, validate data from a number of different directions. Uh, so we have a number of different sources It then will validate it and, and we can actually produce derived data as a consequence of that. But we, we can get accuracy to a pretty high level. As Martin was saying, we do cross-validate incoming data. And what we're finding is uh, every month we're getting more and more data sets. Uh, so, for example, if we've got building height information in, in a territory, it becomes uh, you know trivial to get the LIDAR data for that location and then cross-check every building location ourselves because the AIs can pull the outlines from satellite images. We've got the LIDAR data to 20 centimetres accuracy so we can give you average roof height and all those things. Now, what that lets us do is it lets us validate secondary information. So, for example, if we've got the number of floors, uh, we know approximately how high a floor is. So we can do sort of back-of-the-envelope validation for that data set. And what we're finding is that we're removing a lot of the noisy data, the mistakes, if you like, uh, that are in there just using these automated sources. And as you've been doing this in the past, that's a lot of uh, capacity, compute power you need to be able to do that. I, I, how are you... How are you doing that? Have you got lots of people running on it? Uh, I've got lots of machinery in the background that's, that's analysing it uh, or things that's changing in terms of the ability to do some of those analytics more quickly and effectively? Really, we're focused on, on the machine side of things. So we build, we build our own um, compute uh, and storage grids. Um, so that, that's the real sort of secret to what we do on, on the hardware side. We have a very small team, so all the work is done by machine. If you're willing to reveal a bit more about the secret, I'm kind of intrigued by what you just hinted at there in terms of the computing grid. Can you just talk a little bit more about what that means for somebody that may not be familiar with how those kind of things work? Traditionally, people would look for to cloud solutions, and we use uh, cloud solutions where, where it fits. With this sort of extreme uh, AI and 
numerical processing that we do. We use, you know, state-of-the-art chips that are sort of, you know, five nanometer and below. Um, so we've got, you know, literally the, the latest chips on Earth, uh, you know, doing our bidding. Uh, and the, that that really helps a lot. So that's, you know, five five to ten years ahead of what Amazon and uh, Microsoft offer on their cloud platforms. Well, I'm really intrigued to learn a bit more about that. We had someone from NVIDIA talking to us last week. Uh, we won't go into details about whether you're using them or not just now, but I can see there might be a, another discussion around that. And then timeliness is also increasingly important these days. So what are you finding in, in the ability to be able to go and get data that's up to date? Yeah, so um, certain information comes out you know, every minute, every 10 minutes, and we grab that. Um, so very much like Google, who indexes news sites first and uh, you know every uh, minute and slower sites uh, once a day, we, we do exactly that. So whenever there's a change, we feed it through. But what we're also finding is, for example, if you look at the droughts um, and, and fire risks in the, in the UK, uh, someone asked us about, oh, can you do grass fire risks in urban areas? And because we've already got the parks and we've got satellite images, uh, showing you know grass drying, uh, it becomes trivial for us to to produce a data set with you know hundreds of thousands of locations just in the UK for um, grass fire risk. Which we, that data we had it, but it wasn't surfaced. But now it's uh, surfaced in a cohesive manner. Yeah, I missed an example of one of those evolving risks that we wouldn't have thought about before. I read in the news this morning that over the weekend, I mean we're just coming hopefully through this drought, uh, there were 500 wildfires in the UK. And in fact, as I'm recording this out of my window, there's a heathland that is burning in the distance. So definitely, as you said, part of part of what's changing and, and the need to be able to analyse uh, data quickly and keep it up to date. Hello, I'm Alex, part of the member management team here at Instech. After a short summer break, we are back. On Tuesday, the 13th of September, we'll be hosting our next live event, alongside MIC Global in celebration of their recent Lloyd's Lab Syndicate launch. The embedded microinsurance themed event will look at some of the latest products to come to market, where the worlds of microinsurance and Lloyd's come together, and where the opportunities lie. The event starts at 5.30pm at the Steelyard. Make sure you register on our website. See you there. We talked a bit earlier about how you're processing data, but also there are two different ways essentially people are using information. One is the data that's been provided by some of the the experts in the area. So that could be, for example, from satellites or data that is being processed by yourselves. Just wondering what the balance is between as you're providing data to your clients, are they asking and are you primarily offering where you're doing the processing of the data yourself or are you also providing them with access to third-party data that you might have found and, and you can sort of recommend it for its uh, its validity, but not necessarily having to process that data itself. Yeah, Matthew, actually we're doing all of that and, and more, in fact. So one of the things that we can do is actually not only aggregate all of our data and make it available at single source, but also we can aggregate with our customers' data as well. Now they can have that on-prem, off-prem, we can store it for them however they choose to have it held. Uh, but one of the benefits is that we can augment their data with our own data or vice versa. So I think that's another distinct advantage. Seth, you might want to weigh in again here. Our ability to process data at the client site is, is something that's worth mentioning because uh, very often uh, some data will be confidential to the client and they don't want it leaving the building. So because our processing can be delivered on-prem and, and all our data, they're very happy with that because they're not moving, you know, their clients' data and confidential information uh, outside their network. 
And if anybody that's not familiar with the term on-premise, literally means on-premise as opposed to data that's out in the cloud. And, and there's one example I wanted to come back to you because I saw Friss presenting at the Lloyd's Lab and they were showing some of the work they'd done with you. And I, I believe for that, they had accessed your data or your data that you'd access from somebody else around sawmills. Kind of in, interested to learn a little bit more about you know, what that use case was uh, and, uh, and where you access the data from. Sawmills around the world um, have a very large explosion risk. When there's a, an explosion with, with sawdust in, in, in the processing line, uh, it blows up, you know, like dynamite sort of thing. Uh, and so it was a submarine risk that many insurers hadn't seen. Uh, and the requirement was to find sawmills in North America. Um, so while we're on the call, because we've got a database of the world's buildings, uh, we could just query that internally and come up with a list of all the sawmills in North America and Japan during the call. Uh, and, so, and so that lets them ask questions and get instant answers. What is it about what you're doing at RE5Q that makes you able to do that where other people, I wouldn't say can't do it, but aren't doing it or you know, makes you more efficient at being able to do that than others? I think at its simplest, we don't really stop to think about data. When we find a source of data, we just take all of it. Um, so that way, later, when someone asks us a question, we can say, actually, we've got you know 15 data sets that, that can do that. Uh, and so, for example, with the sawmills, one of the cross-checks we did um, was look at our database of 200 million companies that we have so we could cross-check that these trading companies were actually were in the lumber business um, and you know were still actively trading. And so having almost too much data really helps us because we don't have to go out and look for it. And then in terms of how your clients are accessing this information, you know, these days most of them want a seamless experience. How, how do they actually make decisions around the data in their underwriting process or, or portfolio management process or maybe even their claims handling? Primarily, uh, they use our API, um, but for some complex uh, integration, we have a complex event processing workflow system that we can deploy in, you know, on cloud or on-prem, uh, and that lets them integrate even using their own internal identifiers uh, that we never see. So that and the API really helps. Well, you've certainly moved fast uh, in, the last, in the last couple of years, but I know you've got some more plans, particularly around you know, some of things we've touched on with changes in the climate, but... Uh, Seth, I guess from a sort of technology point of view, what should we be looking out for coming soon from uh, from RE5Q? I think our, our new uh, ESG API will be very exciting uh, because we deliver data for each segment of E, S, and G. So, for example, insulation in, in buildings, uh, what social deprivation is in an area, but, but also planning applications and fuel sources as well. I'd just add to that that I think what the uh, ESG API will also do is help companies to benchmark their own position, not only for their own proprietary or operational uh, real estate, but also for insurance risks, etc. So they'll be able to look at how they can benchmark and determine continual improvement in their ESG credentials, which everybody is being challenged to do. I think what we're finding is that areas like embodied carbon and operational carbon are now almost a standard. So our data in that space is, is proving very useful in the benchmarking market. Yeah, that benchmarking and measurement is going to be really critical because you know, it, it, whilst it's still quite difficult to cover all of the 
measurements of carbon emissions. One thing's for sure, once people start measuring this, then they're going to get judged year on year relative to what they measured in previous years. Boards and, and CEOs and chairmen are being challenged to demonstrate continued improvement against their ESG credentials. And some of their KPIs, quite rightly, for their compensation are, is reliant on demonstrating that continual improvement. So having access to a benchmark that can help them achieve that is obviously really important. And one that's credible as well. There are, a lot of, there are a lot of companies claiming to offer benchmarks out there, but often when you dig into them, the, the rigour of how they've been developed is not always there. Uh, and then just as we get towards the end and bring things to a close, you know, Martin, if people are going to take away you know, one or two things about RE5Q, how would you like them to remember that, you know, what you are doing that sort of summarises your unique characteristics? Well, RE5Q is a specialist real estate data provider, and, and we've come from a background steeped in real estate. So I think that's the first and most important thing, uh, Matthew. Secondly, and I referenced it earlier, I think the fact that we can identify data from a broad set of different sets, either in residential, in commercial, or in infrastructure assets, means that we can be a truly sort of one-stop shop around real estate data, sort of a, a real estate data supermarket in many respects. And I think what's happening with um, climate change uh, is exposing new risks across the uh, industry generally, and something that I think RE5Q is therefore well-placed to assist the insurance industry uh, in helping to determine. It's been really intriguing, some of those sources you've been able to tap into from the real estate background. And then you've kindly offered a little test for people. They want to see how you work. Uh, Seth, can you talk a little bit about, you know, if anybody's intrigued about what you're offering and want to find out how that works for real with a building that might know, how, how should they go about and talk to you about that? If anyone's, you know, curious about a building or emerging risk, you know, why don't they challenge RE5Q, you know, contact me directly uh, to find out, uh, you know, more information, see what collateral we have uh, by getting in touch. Uh, send us the building or the emerging risk, and we can give you a demonstration around what we can show you in that area. That's a very generous offer. I'm actually quite intrigued to take you up on it myself to see if this, this uh, wildfire that's looming on the horizon is going to get any any closer. Um, but I really enjoyed that discussion. It, it's uh, really been delighted to have your support for Instec, and uh, we'll be getting you up on stage some point in the near future and as we're doing more around our sub-communities around ESG and other areas I'm sure people get a chance to see you face to face in a number of different places Martin Seth thank you very thank much you. thanks Matthew thank you well as I said look out for location intelligence report coming out this autumn featuring RE5Q and over 50 more companies in the space at the last count keep up with that and all our events and other reports on the website www. Dot .instec.co. Okay, that's it for today. <laughs>